Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you today? Good morning, Dan. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. It is a lovely day here in Morling Town. <laughs> uh, should we break the bit? We should probably break the bit. No, nah, I don't want to break any bit. Sure, All break right, the bit. Well, Whatever you like. It's up to you. It's your, it's your it's, show. Um, quite a morning here on a Tuesday, April 9th. It's a beautiful <laughs> day. It's mostly in the 50s. There's poop on the sidewalks and uh, lots of IPOs going on. Ah, San lifts, Francisco. Uh, lifts uh, stock continues to tumble, one hopes. Mm. I haven't checked today. Oh, I thought Lyft was the good one. They are the good one. They're like, yeah, pink Uber. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you yeah, know, the city's worried. The city's worried because there's like, what is it, three IPOs? Lyft just did their IPO. I think Pinterest is doing an IPO, and there's a third one that escapes me. But, you know, basically, we don't need more instant millionaires in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It already kind of sucks. But, yeah. You know. But, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is, this is Tuesday, you know, and uh, it's the optimistic day. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There's, there's two really good quotes from El- Edges Elba. Ed, am I saying that right? Edris Elba? Yeah, I, sure. Abs- yes. Edris Elba. There's uh, two really good quotes from him in, in the movie Pacific Rim, and I'm probably not going to be able to find either one of them quickly. Uh, let me try. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so here's one. His name is Stacker Pentecost. Hmm. <laughs> have you seen Pacific Rim? I, yeah. Yeah, I have. Well, you don't have to say The one about the, uh, the, the giant kaiju coming up. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't see the second one, but I saw the first one. No, it's okay. That's fine. But he has this great line, today at the edge of our hope, at the end of our time, we have chosen not only to believe in ourselves, but in each other. Today, there is not a man nor woman in here that shall stand alone. Not today. Today, we face the monsters that are at our door and bring the fight to them. Today, we are canceling the apocalypse. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. That's such a great line. He's another good one that I can't find. But, uh... It's it's something along the line. This might be I don't know. This could be from a different movie. But there's a line where somebody says, uh, you know, today we're going to act as if the world is going to go on. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. that a good? Isn't that a good thing to think about? Yes, I like that. I like it that way. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things I read in this uh, in this uh, that uh, anxiety book that I that I like and I, I return to. Yeah. What's called stopping the noise in your head, which is a very good book with lots of good strategies for dealing with anxiety. Uh, one of the one of the ones is it's it's not off topic, but like once you've gotten really dug into his method of addressing anxiety directly, mm-hmm. uh, he has this great strategy that he calls act as though. Have I talked about this? Act as though? You might have, but it does not ring a bell for me. I mean, it's Tuesday and it's the optimistic day. So let's talk about act as though really quickly. It, it's appropriate. It's a very stacker Pentecost kind of way to look at things. Mm. And the strategy of act as though is exactly what it sounds like. And he says that like, so he does a lot, the guy who wrote this book, whose name escapes me right now, we can find it for show notes. It's a real good book. If you have anxiety or OCD, it's a very good book. Most of his clients have, uh, he's dealing with OCD. And, uh, you know, in the, and as I mentioned here before, these are folks who like, I can't ever get on a plane because if I get on a plane, I'll have a panic attack. If I have a panic attack, I'll have a heart attack. If I have a heart attack on the plane, I'm going to be embarrassed and die. And, And how we build those sorts of things up in our head. Or in the example of like, and I've, I've used this strategy with things like travel, where I get very anxious about traveling, not because of the plane, but just because of the million ways I can imagine everything going wrong. 
So it doesn't sound like it's anxiety, like fear for your life. It's more, there's so many things that could go wrong that would create suffering for all of us. Yes. Yeah. It's very, I mean, obviously it's on the nose for anxiety and to a large extent OCD, where, as I understand OCD, uh, a lot of it is a kind of self-generated anxiety. Yes. You know? And I, I think, I mean... You think about think about something like PTSD, and and people with like my late father who had genuine PTSD. Mm. The man could not be around fireworks because of the Korean War. Right, right, right. Like he he had legit, according to Hoyle, uh, legitimate, <laughs> legitimate PTSD, legitimately bronchial, legitimately bronchial father. But you know, I, I mean, I think I I suspect that there can be minor forms of PTSD too, if that can be such a thing. Right. Where like you dread the idea of something happening to you that was disruptive before. Right. And it, it kind of recuts a lot of channels in your brain, to be honest. Yeah. If there's something you dread, there's a reason you dread that. And you, if you're like me, you dread that because you remember the feeling of how that felt when that thing happened. And if that thing happened when you were a child, maybe especially, but whatever it is that like made made some kind of hole in your life or made you feel broken and hopeless, you never want to feel that feeling again. And you will do everything in your power not to feel that feeling again. And he has a lot of good strategies in this book, Stopping the Noise in Your Head, for basically how to like kind of address your anxiety, to talk to your anxiety, to eventually arrive at a strategy where you say, this is exactly what I want right now. Mm -hmm. This is what I need right now. This is another one of his great phrases. This is hard, but I can handle it. And then once you pass that level in the, in the training, you get to something which is called act as though. And act as though is where you go into a situation and I'm going to act as though everything's going to be okay. Which it's, you know, it's a kind of optimism, maybe a kind of baseless optimism if your whole life is based on anxiety and avoiding the thing that scares you. But right. like I say, once you get to the graduate level of this, you learn to act as though. So if you're scared, you think about going to the beach and having a nice day at the beach. And what do you think about? You think about traffic. You think about parking. You think about sunburn. You think about sand in your pants. You think about all those kinds of things. And his recommendation is to go into that situation and act as though it's going to be great or act as, as though it's going to be fine. Which sounds like Pollyanna, mm-hmm. like, like made up optimism, and it might be, but I don't. I don't feel like it is. I feel like, I feel like act as though is a powerful strategy for doing a stacker Pentecost on your life and to saying today we're canceling the apocalypse. As hard as this thing is, we're going to do it, and I'm going to act as though we can succeed at this. Because if you act as though failure is waiting around every corner. Right. You're going to have a bad day because you're going to spend your whole day anticipating the thing that you've decided you're now anxious about, your brain decided you're anxious about. And act as though is a way to remind yourself that I'm going to act as though not only will I survive this, but I'm going to act as though this will turn out fine because, or this will turn out great. Because if you decide you're going to act as though it will turn out great, it greatly changes your attitude and your decision making. And it encourages you to say, if this were going to turn out great, what would I do? Well, now suddenly you have a much more positive valence to whatever it is you're about to do. Do do you see the distinction? Yes, I think so. Well, it just, it just means saying that like, if you go into a project, for Mm -hmm. example, and you were to to merely be a negative Nelly who looks at every way it can go wrong, well, you're probably a project manager. Congratulations. That's what I used to do. Um, But it's also a way of saying like, it isn't necessarily that we're going to shoot for the stars, but we're going to say, if we reverse engineer success out of this, we see a series of positive steps that we can take, 
not just to mitigate risk, but to ensure that this is a great thing. So instead, you're going to act as though your trip to the beach is going to be fine. It's just a trip to the beach. And and if you act as though it's going to be fine, now you're going to decide, I'm going to bring sunscreen. I'm going to plan ahead. And nobody's ever died from parking, mostly. You're, you need to act as though parking will not kill you and focus on what you do to make it a great day. It's the optimistic day, Dan. Stacker Pentecost. That's Stacker Pentecost. That was good right there. We're eight minutes in and that was already really good. But if you start with something and you open with something that's that good, the rest of the show is a letdown. No, I'm going to act as though it's going to be great. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Let me check in on my UPS. Oh, what's um, the update on that? Oh, it's been over a week mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Hold at UPS access point requested. Now, can you can you go to the UPS like wherever it is and pick it up yourself? This is what I talked to on my with my Continental lady. I said, listen. And it didn't go well. I mentioned in last week's episode from Tuesday, April 2nd, mm-hmm. that uh, I was struggling. I was struggling with the communications of this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Really, most struggles are struggles for communications. Monty Python is funny because language is difficult and human relationships are complicated. And in this case, I'm talking to a lady and we're not, we're not doing great with it. But I did finally get to the point where I said, hey, you know, do you have a field for this? Please don't send back the AirPods. I want the AirPods. Mm-hmm. Now, now, when we record on April 16th, which is next Tuesday, right. I hope to have some resolution for this. But as I sit here on April 9th... Still no resolution. Do you want well, to break, break it up? Do you, wanna, you can break it. Go ahead and break it. Yeah. Yeah. Break you the bit. Is, Dan? What? You ready for me to break the bit? You know break what it is? Break the bit. Yeah, what is it? Guess what? It's that time again. You know what it is? What? Jury duty. Oh, no. Not Daddy's again. Got... How come you get called for jury duty so often? I heard on a podcast I listened to, I want to say Slate Culture Gab Fest. It might have been, uh, who was it? I confuse all the hosts. But one of the ladies said, like, she hasn't even been called for jury duty in eight years. Now, in fairness, the last time I was called for jury duty, I think was two and a half years ago. Ask me how I remember. Yeah, how do you remember? Because I thought it was, it was election, m- more recent. It's election day. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They do jury on election day. Oh, they do all the days. All the days. I narrowly got out of a uh, attempted homicide. I beat the rap, as they say. In the uh-huh. game. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't hate the don't hate the player. Hate the game. Uh. <laughs> so Dan and I are pre-recording this episode. Okay, I'm breaking the bit. We're recording this on Tuesday, April 2nd. Right. Here's the thing, though. Why do I tell you, why do I say it's the optimistic day, Dan? Because we're going to act as though the world will still exist on April 9th. Do you realize what a tremendous act of optimism it is to pre-record anything? It's a leap of faith. It's a a kind of a Kierkegaardian leap of faith. Mm -hmm. It's a way of saying, I'm going to assume the world is still around. There will probably be some Apple... Uh, you know, uh, speculative videos that we're not aware of. Who knows what's going to happen with those nuts in Washington? But Dan, you and me, buddy, on this optimistic day, yeah, we're going to act as though we're going to cancel yeah. the effing apocalypse. Let's cancel it out. Okay, let's button it up. All right. Okay. Um, and we're back. We got a we got a <laughs> slate of items to talk about. I got a couple. Uh, Boy, I had so many good titles for the episode. Yeah. The other one. Yeah. Yeah. I had primary hoodie, horsing around, baby thorn, semicircle of douchebags. 
Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know if you'll agree. I picked, I picked baby Thorin. I like baby Thorin. Yeah. Yeah. Richard yeah. Armitage. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know what? I don't want to be dishonest with our listeners. No. I think it's okay to pre-record. I think it's a way of telegraphing to our audience that we're going to act as though the world will go on. I'm going to find that for notes. All right. Stopping the noise in your head. And the author is named, I'm clicking. His name is R. Reed Wilson. Hmm. R. Reed Wilson. R. I'm putting Reed it in Wilson. Hey, Dan, you know, we haven't done it in a while. And as much as you're comfortable saying, uh, where would people find show notes for episode 421 of your Back to Work podcast? It's at 5by5.tv slash B is in brothers, two is in the number, W is in walrus slash 421. And uh, that's, that's where they live. That's where you can go to see all the stuff that we talk about right here. You know, you know what we forgot in the previous episode? You know what we forgot. Well, uh, that it was episode number 420 and we didn't- We forgot to blaze it. We didn't it, blaze yeah. it, yeah. We didn't 420 blaze it. I mean, I, hmm. I think we're, I think it's safe to assume that we're blazing yeah. it all the time anyway. Oh yeah. You like know, we have found the carb. Yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. You ever tried edibles? Yes. Can you tell me about edibles? Edibles? Like, Cause it sounds like, it sounds like it could be a really good thing. Have you never tried the edibles? I have to be very, very careful with that substance. Um, right, right. Your digestion and stuff. Yes. No, not even that. No, just to be dead honest, I used to enjoy that substance in college and twice a year after college. Mm -hmm. I'm not big on that particular class of substance, but like, as I've told you before, and our audience knows on two occasions, I have had an edible version of that substance. Mm -hmm. I passed out. Right. And you I don't want to wake that, up. I know people you don't want to wake up with your fiance yelling in your face at three a.m. because you passed out going to the bathroom. <laughs> like, like you know really passed out. Oh no, I legit. I was legitimately. I went to the. I went to the bathroom. A bathroom I'm very familiar with. We lived in our home many years, and I, I couldn't find the walls. And then I found the walls <laughs> hard. So I went down. I got back up again, like like a chumbawamba. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying. It's, it's I, how many times is like Captain Marvel? It's like, like I keep getting up. I'm like a Spider Man, and then uh, and then I somehow wandered into the lounge, what John Syracuse calls a family room. Oh, and um, I I went down like an old pair of pants. I just wow. punk down something something something. Time passes. Ah, ah, ah. My fiance is screaming in my face. I've I've cut my eyebrow. Oh my God. At some point. Yeah, no. And this is why I have the question about the edibles, because people tell me edibles are good because you can be extremely specific about your amount of dosage. Well, do you have yeah. any secondhand anecdotal evidence? If you don't want to talk about it, you can cut no, I'm this happy, out. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but can't you get a pretty like discreet, knowable amount of the substance with an yes, edible? Yes, if you get one from like a store like you have there in California. If you, yeah, if, reputable like a place. Yeah, and if you go and buy one there, because that's that's where I've tried it, was in um, California when, it, mm -hmm. when I guess it went legal for people sometime in 2017. Medicinal's been legal for a long time, and I think it's essentially deregulated at this point but there is in, basically in, you in, could just yeah. walk as a as a pedestrian you can go into the store and you can say i want to try an edible and they hand you what looks like gummy candies that's made in a factory somewhere and it's wrapped up it's not 
it's not like the guy on the corner is like baking some brownies like and and in it's that not, it's not going to have like insulation and baking soda in it. well yeah i mean whatever um whatever <laughs> people make on their own it has i think you know a, a, there it's almost impossible to get any kind of regular dosage from what i read about it so they say if you're going to try this try it with like a um you know like a a manufactured one that you buy in a in a dispensary and then mm-hmm. you know exactly how much you're getting and they say start with like a quarter or a half of it and then wait a, like an hour and see because apparently it's very different from when you smoke it as far as yeah. how long it takes to go very, into a very fat. Very true for me. Super true for me. And I guess um, a lot of people will take some and 10, 15 minutes later, like, I don't feel nothing. And they Ugh. eat another one and still didn't feel anything. And now they've eaten no. three of them and then... They they have no, real, no, 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 real no. trouble, yeah. So, but it went my Lately experience. Things, they don't seem the same. That's <laughs> funny, and I don't know why. It's because I just put these three edibles in my pie. This, there you go. In my experience, I think I had half of one, uh-huh. and and it, half a gummy, half of a gummy, and I don't remember how much was in the gummy. It was maybe. 20, 25 milligrams. So I guess I had half of that, and about an hour later. I felt felt really good. Felt really you nice. Feel like a kind of calm and stuff. Calm and things things felt good and well, this stuff's come a long way, Dan. Used to be you didn't know what you're getting. You could be you could be getting some of the substance and you just be under a table. Uh, just like going like, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? A friend uh, of mine was telling me that there's um apparently here in Austin where it is it's not legalized. Um a friend was telling me that she had had some uh, caramels that were just made by a person. And she said, she basically described, I don't think she, uh, cut her eyebrow, but she was in a similar situation that she took it and like immediately like, or as soon as it went into effect, it was like overwhelming. And she just had to just lay down and slept for like 12 hours. (laughs) Yeah. I'd gone to see the reunion both times. It was brownies prepared by my boss. Yeah. And, uh, so I learned from the first time, and then the second time I thought I was good and I wasn't good. But the first time we got to see the reunion performance of Kids in the Hall. And uh, yeah, I, I passed out in my seat. Oh, man. Right, right in the theater. At least Ugh. I didn't cut my eyebrow. Hey, listen, kids, you know, drink your milk. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Yeah. Come a long way, baby. Baby? Baby? Baby Thorne's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Armitage. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any titles yet. Um Listen, um, you know what? As we get started here, uh, why don't you tell me about something that you like? Heck yes, I'll tell you about Luna Display. Luna Display? It's like black magic. How do they do it? How do they do it? You take this little thing, and I don't even want to call it a dongle. I don't want to call it a USB stick. It's smaller than that. It looks like a little jewel that plugs Mm -hmm. into the side of your Mac, and it it turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. Ugh, and here's the thing that, that I talked a little about this the last time we talked about the Luna display, but I want to bring this up first and up front. You can, you, first of all, yes, it is, a, it is a display, but it's more than just a display. You can use your fingers and do multi-touch stuff. You can use your Apple Pencil and you are now, this is, this is amazing, but you're working Mac OS 10 on your iPad with your hand and your pencil and all that stuff, or it can just be a screen that just sits there. But this is the thing. Let's say that you're like, you know what? I have some stuff to do on my Mac, but I don't want to be in front of the Mac right now. 
just mm-hmm. going to sling that window onto my second display, which just happens to be a Luna display powered iPad. I'm going to grab the iPad. I'm going to go walk in the living room and sit down there. And no, mm-hmm. it's not my iPad that's in front of me technically anymore. It's now a display on my Mac and I get to do Doesn't all the stuff like the in menu that app. and stuff. Yeah. You have the dock, you have everything. And it's, like a great, when you're on, when you're focal on one of the devices, the menu shows up. Yes. If you're on the other device, it like grays out to yes. let you know, here's where you are. So you can make the iPad, uh, Luna display powered iPad, your main display, and you've got your Mac with you on your iPad in another part of your house, or your office. Cause it's all Christmas. works over Wi-Fi. It's insane. It's absolutely bonkers. I don't know how they do it. I'm not sure that it's real because it Mm-mm. feels like magic, but it's haunting. It's very haunting. It's, it's, it's like the ring girl. But for computers, it's, like it's, it's very girl. upsetting that it works at all. And I, I would like to throw mine down a well because it scares me. But it, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing that it does. It's amazing that it's wireless. And I don't know what kind of black magic goes into being able to manipulate your Mac with your fingers and your pencil from that device. But it is it is pretty fantastic. And I think the price is really right. The I don't, price is great. I don't great. say that that much, but like what you get here for this is like pretty bananas. It really is. You go to Luna Display, L-U-N-A, lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code back to work and you'll get 10% off your Luna Display. And they have different versions. Merlin has the one that's a mini display port. I have the mm-hmm. one that's USB-C. Uh, they both work perfectly. Go try this out. I think you're going to love this thing. It, it seems impossible and it just works so great. I love this thing. Lunadisplay.com, back to work promo code. Thanks very much to Luna for making this episode a possibility. Ding. Thanks, Luna Display. Your dark magic. It's very upsetting. Um, I, I got a weird recommendation. Um, is this a made by Wired? Who makes this? Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wired, Wired has this several series on YouTube that are so good. They're just so good. There's the one where a guy analyzes different actors' accents. There's all these different great series they've got on Wired. I watched one last night that was really, really interesting to me. Um, so it's in show notes and it's called Forgery Experts Explain Five Ways to Spot a Fake. Mm. And it basically, it's two guys, one guy who's mostly sort of art and art history centric. And then the other guy who's very like history centric. And they go through this five step, according to them, five step process, how in this case, they analyze that the painting that they're looking at, which purports to be a Jackson Pollock original is actually not. And uh, (laughs) it's really fascinating that you would not believe all the angles they take on this. Before you get to the sciencey stuff, they've got stuff like looking, looking just at the condition of the canvas. Like, is it frayed at the edges in a way that's consistent with something from the mid fifties? All the way to looking at what purports to be a fax establishing the provenance of this and how all, there's all these factual errors in the provenance documentation. Then you get further down, deeper and deeper into the science and they're doing stuff like testing the paint to see if that kind of paint even existed in the 1950s. Fancy, in some cases, very cool. It hadn't. Looking at stuff like how Jackson Pollock used to sometimes go outside and collect some dirt that he would throw into the splatter paintings. The that's art, paintings. that's art. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they, they, you can't, uh, the abstract expressionist and the color field and all of those artists, it's difficult to appreciate their work unless you see it in person. That sounds dumb, but like the first time you see a color, you see a color field painting in a book and you're like, I don't, I don't understand. It's a pink canvas. What's the big deal? Right. Or like a Rothko 
or, you know, especially Pollock. I mean, Pollock's famous paintings are sometimes very, very large. And even before you get into the intellectual head up your butt stuff about how this is a painting about painting, it is pretty amazing. But so anyways, these dudes will go and look at the dirt that somebody used with this and go, no, like that kind of dirt, in, uh, the joke I made, it has insulation in it. And like that would never, it's basically drywall dust. And he never used drywall dust. He used dirt from his like front yard and alcohol uh, to do his paintings. But then, you know, they also, then they get into like the x-ray it and they can go in and see, they can do, uh, not spectom- spectrometry, but they do some kind of thing where they can like see, like, was there anything in the under underpainting? Were there any sketches? Oh, look, this had a painting on top of it before this. Pollock never did that. Anyway, if you like kind of science-y, liberal artsy stuff, uh, check out uh, Forgery Experts Explain Five Ways to Spot a Fake. I thought it was really good. Also, the accent guy's amazing. You ever seen the accent guy? Um, re- Refresh my memory. So this is a guy whose name, his name is Eric Singer. And he is uh, a linguist and dialogue coach. And he basically helps people with extremely specific regional accents. Okay. And because he's a linguist, he can articulate like what it is that Lyndon Baines Johnson is doing with his tongue (laughs) that makes him sound like Lyndon Baines Johnson. (laughs) That's awesome. And like in Texas, there's a certain kind of accent where when when you're speaking with this kind of tight voice with your tongue in the back... Your, your 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 tongue kind of curls up in the front and it makes that kind of like a lisping super sibilance. Mm. And you know what? Let me find, there's one, so he's most famous here, I think, for, yeah, movie accent expert breaks down 31 actors playing real people. I'll put that one in notes. And he's really good at like analyzing different accents. The one, the one we watched the other night that my daughter found excruciating and I found fascinating was all about people who've played the president at different times, whether that's Obama or uh, either the Roosevelt's uh, w. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's a really good series. I love YouTube. There's so much yeah. on YouTube. It's stupid to say this, but there's so much on YouTube. there. That's just like for the longest time, I felt like it was kind of easy to dismiss YouTube and say, well, right. this is like where, you know, people post meme videos and like, but it really, it, you can learn. I'm, I've been watching, uh, and actually I should add this, um, to the show notes. I'll add it, uh, there's a guy out there um, This called Ripple Training is the name of his channel. And he has a whole series on Final Cut Pro. The way he says it bothers me. He'll say, Funka Pro, Funka Pro, mm. Funka Pro. Oh, that's upsetting. I know. Funka Pro, mm. Funka Pro. <laughs> it sounds like a little boy. Funka Pro. Pro. But Pro. Um, it really, really great. And I mean, he walks you through everything from like, learning the user interface all the way to like super advanced features in it. Um, it is a really, really good one. And then there's another guy, uh, Larry Jordan, who is, mm-hmm. he is, he is kind of a, a God of, uh, Funka pro <laughs> and, uh, and I'll put him in the show notes too, but like they, and they're, you know what? They don't, they're not charging anything. You want to donate to them and support them. You can, but, you know, it's just they're putting this great content out there, and uh, and it, it's YouTube has so much great stuff. I hate I hate oh, that, absolutely. but it really does. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm gonna okay. Let's keep going. Let's do a few more. Um, I'm going to so I, one that I just put in notes is I, I support um, via money. I support exactly two Patreons. Okay, one is for the podcast Chapo Trap House, and the other one is for a series I've mentioned here before called uh, Technology Connections. Mm-hmm. Which is just, 
I don't know how to describe it. I've mentioned it to you before that I think you'd enjoy it because a lot of what he does, it's not like unboxing a Samsung phone. Right. It's going back and looking at how, like how consumer technology works, especially sort of vintage technology. He has a whole series on beta versus VHS. He explains the insane magic that goes into putting uh, subtitles and closed captioning into a VHS tape. It's incredible and blew my mind. Um, the latest one I just put into notes that I like a lot is uh, basically the importance and history of e-ink how like e-ink, what a revolution that is. And basically explaining like why a class, how, an, how a classic LCD screen works, why it's difficult to use, you know, for reading and all the angles you've got to look at. And, and like how they came up with e-ink as a way to make a paper looking thing mm -hmm. to read on and that didn't drain your battery. That's a real good one. A technology connection. And here's one I'm always, this is from, uh, this is one I'm always trying to sell uh, to friends. I, I'm always trying to sell this video to people. It's a 25 minute video that I really, really recommend. Find 25 minutes and watch this video um, because it's a real journey and it's called Remain Seated, Please, The Hoot and Chief Story. And all I'm going to tell you about this is it's about two really dorky friends who are obsessed with a ride that used to be at Epcot called Horizons. And, that remi I remember uh, that. Yeah, and what all I'm going to tell you about this is that Hoot and Chief have figured out that there's there are unique things about their favorite ride, Horizons, that allow them to, in a very a very clever and tricky way, jump out of their seat and get into the actual attraction and walk around. Mm. They find places to hide when a car is going by. And all I want to say is like, just on that alone, this is worth watching. There is more to this video than that, but I really encourage you to watch Remain Seated, Please, The Hoot and Chief Story, because uh, it, it's, it's a hell of a ride. And you can find 25 minutes tonight and watch it. It's really good. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil yeah, don't what spoil ultimately it. happens, but it's really good. Okay. I agree with you though. I mean, I'm pretty picky about what I subscribe to in YouTube. And uh, increasingly, of course, I'm even more picky about what I'll click on because I don't want to ruin my recommendations. Right. A few evenings of watching roller coaster videos will bring you theme park videos for many months. I don't even want to know what happens if I click on a thing about chemtrails and, and lizard Nazis. Well, I've, I've done that and it's exactly oh, what boy. you think. It's exactly what you think. You get a whole lot of videos on there uh, about those kinds of things in the, in the, on the right hand side. But yes. It's, um, why, why is there no way to block a channel? Like even, I'm not even just saying, like, I understand it's a hard problem to solve to, yeah. to keep Nazis off the platform. I realize that's very difficult, <sighs> but like, you know, there are some things that sneak in and I'm like, I want to, I want to block this immediately on Twitter. I just see people in responses to other people's tweets that I preemptively block. I block all day. And like, I wish there was a way to say like, don't ever show me anything from this channel again. And maybe for bonus points, learn from that. Like if I block that, like don't send me stuff like that. Their whole this is their whole business. Yeah, it's their whole goddamn raison d'être. You know, but it <laughs> it is kind of interesting to think of how well it works, even when we don't want it to work well. Because like yes. if if I'm if I'm like teaching myself origami and I look at a couple origami videos, now I'm going to see all kinds of really good origami videos. That's which is great. That's what Correct. I want. I want yeah. to do that. 
But it shouldn't, I really would love the idea to kind of say, you know, I just want to watch this one video this one time. It doesn't mean I'm really interested in it from now on forever. Yes. Oh, I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, like there's some things where I'm very glad it has noticed my taste. As I'm looking at this right now under recommendations, it's recommending stuff uh, from the amazing fan art world of My Brother, My Brother and Me, where there's a lot of really funny you know, bits and animatics and various animations people have made of my Bim Bam, which is my favorite podcast. And that's great. They got that. They got stuff with Bill Hader. They know that I love Bill Hader. Oh, yeah. And so they're giving me Bill Hader stuff. But here's one. This goes across the Google family of products. I don't know exactly how this happened exactly, but at some point, the Google family of products got it in their head that I'm very interested in the film Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> Okay, are, so are you? here's the thing. Uh, Queen is, is unimpeachably like one of my favorite bands ever. Like I still listen to Queen a lot. There's this one like best of that my whole family has been listening to for years and years and years. I love Queen. I like Rami Malek. I have and had and will continue to have absolutely zero interest in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. For a number of reasons, things that I've heard, I'm not a big fan of biopics and their bits, but especially like, I just, I, I, I really, I'm actively against, but you ever get that? You get a bee in your bonnet and you just don't want to hear any more about yeah, a thing. Yeah, no, totally. So, I mean, here, Bohemian Rhapsody's bad editing breakdown shows up because it thinks I'm, I'm interested in this movie. Google News, like to this day, keeps pushing me Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie stuff. Even though every time I click on the three, the three, uh, the three dot dingus to say, show me fewer stories like this, but it just keeps bringing them. So you're right. It's, it's beyond a mixed blessing. On the one hand, it's great to like, when you're winding down at night and you don't want to like watch a whole episode of Hannah or whatever, you're like, ah, I'm just going to watch some YouTube videos. You know, I think it's great. I think there's something to be said for Google in general and YouTube for the kinds of algorithms that they have of figuring out what you like and what you want to watch and what you want to you know, what you want to search for. And I noticed that a lot of that is like missing in from some of Apple stuff. Um, like here's an example. Um, you know, we've talked about my a bizarre habit of using Apple news to read news sometimes on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. And there's a little thing where if you uh, swipe to the right, you can say that you don't like a story. And if you hmm. swipe to the left, you can say that you really liked the story. Okay. And I guess at some point when I was starting using the news app, it must have asked me, like, pick some topics you like or pick some channels you're interested in or somehow I have these channels that have content on here. Yeah. And I've never bothered to go back in and, like, customize that because I wanted to see if me putting down that I hated a story did anything. So somehow yes. BuzzFeed is one of the sources that I get stuff from. And I... Generally speaking, dislike all of BuzzFeed's articles, no matter what they're BuzzFeed on. News. On, I mean, it's unfortunate they share a name because BuzzFeed News can be very good. Yes, but not but BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed News. BuzzFeed, the listicle thing, Yes, yes. And so- Like, you're, you're not going to believe what this swollen toe tells us about Brexit. That. And I'm looking to see if there's one in there now. But what I've found is that nothing seems to happen when you tell them that you don't like the story. So here's a yeah. news story- uh, puppy rescued after carried off by owl dropped on golf course. Mm. So this is not interesting to me. So I'm going to swipe right and dislike story. 
but that doesn't seem to have any effect. It's almost like they're just like, oh, you didn't like that one. Okay. It's yeah. not like they're, well, we won't show you anymore like that. It's more just like, oh, you didn't like it. Yeah, that's too bad. You didn't yeah, like that one. As a consumer, it's incredibly complicated. We've talked before about this phenomenon on Amazon. Well, there's, there's, there's phenomena about this all over the place. There are the people who can't continue to believe that the Apple App Store is a place where you leave reviews for restaurants. For the Yelp, in the Yelp app. There are people who think that, right? right. There's that. There's the people on Amazon who give classic albums one star because they don't like the fact that it's basically a repackaging of something they already own. So you get a bunch of people who are giving negative reviews about the Beach Boys album Pet Sounds because they don't like the way it's being repackaged. That's extremely confusing from from a, like a programmatic standpoint. With us and these articles though, I think it's, it is extremely complicated because Okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to say I'm interested in things about the, the Mac. Well, no, I'm interested in my Mac. I'm not that interested in your Mac. I'm not interested, not, you know, not you, but just the, the generic Mac. I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in unboxies, unboxing. I am not interested in speculation. I'm not interested in any of the various shovelware sites that will absolutely show up if I say that I'm interested in Macs. I'm just, I'm, I mean, like, I don't need 16 stories about the latest developer beta coming out that doesn't even say what's different about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Though? So like in that aspect, like that, and even that one's like fairly straightforward. Let's, let's even get to the more complicated stuff. You, know, you read an article that's a hot take about a topic that you feel very strongly about. Let's say you're really into X and you read a hot take about X that you disagree with. Well... If you say you don't like that story, are you saying now you don't like that topic anymore? You don't like that that outlet or you know media source anymore? How how do you subtly get to the fact that no, I'm just not into what Gene Munster is going to think thinks is going to happen with TVs and computers, right? And I, I think there's lots of stuff like that. This is even before we get to the idea of hate watching, right? Just watching stuff because it's a train wreck. But no, I, I I agree it's a problem, and it's 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 the smarter it gets, the more you realize how smart it ain't in some ways, but like it's, there's, I feel like there should, there's that word, there should be a way to like, I don't know, just say like, I want my own equivalent of like a child safety feature. Like, I don't want, don't take me down that route. Like just because I watched a few Russian dashboard videos doesn't mean I want to watch snuff movies. Like don't show me 16 horrific motorcycle accidents. Cause if you let that thing just keep feeding you stuff, as everybody right. knows at this point, it gets more and more radical. It gets more and more extreme. Like you start out with a thing about how to make like vegan burgers and end up with like some kind of pita thing. And it's like, ah, at, at best. So I don't know what the answer is, but like there are axes, aspects. Like why is why it? as a human being, do we understand so easily that, oh, we were just having a conversation that one time about that one thing. And that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that's the only thing I want to talk about from now on. You know what I mean? Like oh, as, as human oh, beings, we get that, yes. but the, but AI doesn't seem to get that at all. Well, and, well, humans humans are wired so well for certain kinds of recognition and context, especially right. recognition. So right. if you're very good friends with a pair of quote unquote identical twins, you don't have that much trouble knowing which one's Tom and which one's Todd. Like you you get that, even that if that's just a difference in haircut or like shirt preference. Right. But like you ever try and draw a face and make it look like a person? Like it's hard. It's difficult to do. Photo recognition has come a long way with that stuff. But we we have 
an ability to pick up context clues. Think about how many websites, Gruber used to talk about this, how often like you don't want to link to a thing that's got, that's like some kind of really crummy, that's running on some crummy CMS and it has typos in it. Like, even if you love that topic, you're not going to link to it because you don't want to be in a bad neighborhood you know, tons of ads and all that kind of stuff and pop-ups. And like, it isn't that you hate Mac reporting. It's just, there's like half a dozen reasons you're not going to link to that thing, or you're going to say, I don't want more from this thing. So I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know what it is about humans. I mean, there's the idea that like, what was that phenomenon called? Paradelia, that thing where we tend to see faces and things. Right. Paradelia. Is that what that's called? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's pronounced. Para, paradolia. I'm going to just try to mash on the keys. Periodolia is a psychological phenomenon that causes people to see patterns in random stimulus. This often leads to people assigning human characteristics to objects. But like, if you search for this on Google Images, you find so many amazing things of things that look like faces. Why? Because we are hardwired to recognize something that looks like a face. Right. Even if in this case, it's like a, a tub with a drainage hole, it, it, looks, it, it looks exactly like, in this case, two eyes and a mouth. Like those telescopes that you put a quarter in. Yeah. Like that looks like an owl. Yeah. Why does it look like an owl? I don't know. I'm good. I'm just good at faces. And now, well, here's a question. You know, you look at a car and usually the front or the back of the car or both looks like a face. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of say, well, that one looks like, like Jack Nicholson there, that one, you know, or whatever. Oh, yes. Like. hundred percent. Yes, 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 yes. Is that, and I, I hope we have some automotive designers in our audience who are listening who could come back and tell us. Is that intentional? Not saying to make it look like Jack Nicholson, but I mean, is it intentional to kind of make your vehicle have a face? You know, oh, because right. because yeah. and because if you don't if you don't do it right, like people used to say about the Etzel, it looks like somebody the grill of an Etzel looks like somebody sucking a lemon. Right, right, like right. If you don't take that into account, you could have unintended consequences. Yeah, I mean, you have to know, and and you're really you're talking about something that's got two things left and right, which we're going to automatically think look like eyes. And then you've got a, a kind mm -hmm. of bar going across, which is going to be the mouth. Like it's inevitable that we will see it that way. So are they taking that in consideration? Are they making a face in that way to a car? To make it look I, I like the kind of face you'd want to see or avoid making it look like a face at right. all. Right. Like if you've got like a big old truck, you kind of want that to be like, I'm a big old truck, you know? And then if you've got like <laughs> right. a, like a, like a Ferrari, you want to be like, like some sexy, fast, you know, like different kind of face than the truck, you know, like you need that. You have to have that. We were driving, we were driving, uh, driving into town the other day. We got off the bridge and we're coming into town and uh, I saw a car and I instantly, it was a car slightly in front of us in the next lane. And I thought, oh my God, that car looks like Black Manta. Like that <laughs> car should be called Manta. And we pulled up a little further and I saw it's a brand of, a costly brand of car called McLaren. But oh, like, yeah. uh, which I guess is like a famous fancy car, but yep. all I could think was, oh my God, the back of that thing looks so much like Black Manta and the front of it looks like a smiling supervillain in a really cool way, like a helmeted super. Yeah, it really does. It it's really, cool really car. does. Yeah. It's a but great the back looks car. awesome. Like the, uh, those taillight or the, uh, yeah, the taillights are so cool. And it's not just that it looks awesome. It's that it, it really does make you think of a face and here's this car that you're driving behind or parked behind or whatever. And like, it's yeah. looking at you. It you know? sure is. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. Black Manta. Black I Manta. I put the Periodolia into, uh, into show notes, and people can find that. And then if you get the spelling from that, from show notes, go just search for that on Google and Google Images. It's pretty amazing. 
Um, Dan, uh, if, if you'd allow it, we have uh, a couple good uh, letters from listeners I'd love to read, but uh, is that okay with you? I'd love to do that. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, pop off and tell me about something you like? I'll tell you about Mac Weldon. Oh, geez. These guys are killing me. You know, I gave them a, basically a free spot <sighs> on the last me. episode because of something nice that happened. I'll tell the story briefly again. Is that my, my boy somehow on the playground at school stepped in paint. I don't know how <sighs> you do that as an 11-year-old boy. But he stepped in paint and it, I guess it splashed up and got on his old hoodie that he's had for a while. Mm. And so I said, listen, I've got a bunch of hoodies. You can pick one and borrow it. And I gave him the choice, all the hoodies, including the Eagles NFL champions hoodie. And he picked the Mack Weldon over the other ones because I think he was impressed. He commented about how the zipper had a little rubberized pull on it. It was easier. He, He loved it. The pockets of the hoodie had zippers on them. He's like, now when I put something in my pocket, it won't come out. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. <laughs> that's what the zipper will do for you. But that's this is the, the this reason. is. He also noted that the the uh, the 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 pulls on the hoodie. That what do you call those things? The the pulls. It's got a real long cord on the it. The cord. Nice. Uh, is re- the, is it called an anglet? What's no, it they're really nice. They're just all these little details are paid attention to, and that's that's what. Mac Weldon is all about things that are designed really well, that are very functional, but that also look really good and are really, really comfortable. They've done so much to this end. Like they made, they engineered their own fabric, you know, they made sure the design process was meticulous. You know that the fit of these things are going to be the same every time. So good. So if if you figure that you're a medium shirt, Every time you get a medium shirt, it's going to fit exactly the same way. And that, you mm-hmm. say that like, well, of course it, but it doesn't like go to a lot of stores. You buy one, one week, or you buy two off the same rack and they fit different. It's not going to be like that with Mac. Oh Baldwin. no, no, nothing like that. Um, I have a, I have a tip and a pro tip. Um, I mean, this is not going to be the least expensive shirt you've ever bought in my case, but I'm addicted. I've been addicted to these. I get the, usually get the Pima long sleeve t-shirt, mm-hmm. which is a terrific like it's pretty economical and it, and it works great and but the thing is I have so many of these and I've had them long enough that now like I could see when I cooked bacon in that shirt and like I need to replace it. I discovered another one. Now this is not this is it's not cheap, but they make something called the Tech Cashmere. Okay? Tech it's the cashmere. Tech Cashmere. It's available in navy heather and charcoal heather. And this is it's, it's got the modal it's got merino wool, cashmere, and spandex. And this is one of the best shirts I have ever owned in my life. The tech cashmere. I'm wearing tech one right now. Cashmere. Cashmere. He I wanted the cashmere. I got I got a, I got an order on the way. I literally during this episode, I pasted my code into deliveries because I've got a third one of these on the way. Oh, nice. They're really, really nice. I hand wash mine. I don't even need to. I just don't want some dingling out there, you know, shrinking my clothes. Even if it goes to dry cleaner, I worry. I worry about my tech cashmere. I just wanted the cashmere. And boy, is this thing ever dynamite. All their stuff is so well-made. So well-made. the aglet. The aglet, it's called, Dan. The, the aglet. aglet. The aglet is a small sheath. Hmm. Okay. An aglet <laughs> is a small... Hang on. Hang on. Keep, keep, keep it in your terry. Oh, yeah. An aglet is a small sheath, often made of plastic or metal. Sounds good. <laughs> Used on each end of a shoelace, a cord, or a drawstring. It's an aglet. They have nice aglets on a nice string. Do you think the person who invented the aglet is like a billionaire now? Because I would have patented that thing on day one. 
Oh, heck yeah. I, ha- I have to imagine. I have to imagine. It comes from the old French. Hmm. You know, you wonder. Yeah, I like, it used to be wax. I bet they put wax on it. Is them. there like an aglet, like... Fan site? F- fan site or, <laughs> or like a community get, uh, of people you know, that like evaluate them and... Remember Ian's shoelace site? That's still around. Is you remember that? Is that the one that t- teaches you how to tie then lace different yeah, yeah, ways? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like it's like the the preeminent shoelace site of all the ways. It's very if you're into shoelaces, you got to go to Ian's uh, shoelace site. I'll find it for notes. But anyway, finish your bit. I just wanted to say these things are great. I I stand by these. It's this is actually a thing that I spend an un- unconscionable amount of my own money on because I love. I really really love their stuff. Mac, Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com. The promo code to use is back to work when you're checking out and you will save 20% off your first order. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal and it's worth it. And go, you know, I think they started with the, un, uh, the, uh, the underpantoms mm-hmm. and then they got the socks. I love the, uh, the no-show socks. I just want to, to make a mention uh, of the, of the no show socks. They're, they're awesome. Cause you mm-hmm. don't want to look like you're wearing the little half ankle socks like that when you're no. walking around in a pair of shorts when it's a hundred degrees out. So keep yeah. those in mind when you go to MacWeldon.com and use the back to work promo code. Thanks very much to Mac Weldon for making this show possible. Thanks Mac Weldon. Buck, buck. Boy, look at that. Look at that Ian's shoelace site. That yeah. is old school. Yeah, it is. Look at that. That's homemade. I think check the code. Okay. Option command U. You know, it is, it does, the lacing does really matter because one of the, one of the things I think people do as, and it's especially noticeable, not with a pair of sneakers, but with a pair of dress shoes Mm -hmm. that you, you kind of want the laces because there's only going to be like maybe three or four holes for the laces in a dress shoe. Yes. That you want them to have that nice horizontal. You don't want them crisscrossing over each other like a mm-hmm. like a, a kid on the schoolyard. You want them just the straight lines. And so, not long ago, I had to take. I think I t- we talked about this in the show. I had to take my little girl to a, a daddy daughter dance, mm-hmm. and Aww. I found that my it was very sweet. And I found that my dress shoes uh, had no laces. Uh, in them. I don't, I don't know what happened to the laces, but that gives you an idea the last time that I wore them because here in Texas, we, when we dress up for things, we wear dressy cowboy boots. We don't wear, uh, we don't always wear the dress shoes. That's cool. That's kind of cool. But I, because everyone had to wear a suit and yes, I could have worn cowboy dress, cowboy boots with the suit, but I don't have a pair of black dress cowboy boots. So I only, I needed black shoes to go with the suit because it was a gray and the brown didn't look right. Long story short, didn't have laces. So I had to go buy the laces. And then when I got in, I'm like, oh, I don't remember how to tie this. I went to the Ian's shoelace site. No kidding. And they teach you how to tie in such a way that you get a very nice straight lines going across. And uh, and it, it looks very nice. So I endorse this site. Yeah, that's a guy that knows how to pick a lane. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. How many other shoelace what sites? Did you just paste here. Oh, sorry. Just real, just real quick. Um, I'm not going to read all of these. But somebody on the staff of Ian uh, is very excited uh, about uh, HTML meta tags. Yeah. So this is the keywords tags. I'm not going to read all. Can I just read a few of these? Yes. <clears throat> there's a, would you agree there's a lot? Yes. Okay, shoe, shoes, lace, laces, knot, knots, shoelace, shoelaces, shoelace with a space, shoelaces, shoelacing, shoelace, knot, shoelace, knots. Tie shoe, tie shoes, tie lace, tie laces, tie knots, 
tie knots. Tie shoelace, tie shoelaces, tie shoelace knot, tie shoelace knots. Tie my shoe, tie my shoes, tie my lace, tie my laces, tie my shoelace, tie my shoelaces. That's about an eighth of the shoelaces. You get in further, slipping shoelace, slipping shoelaces, slipping shoelace knots, slipping shoelace knots. Crooked shoelace, crooked shoelaces, crooked shoelace bow, crooked shoelace bows. <clears throat> Professor Shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> Does it say, is that one in there? That's the last, very last one. That's what I call Professor it in Easter. Professor Shoelace. So now if, if I search. Please, please. My father is Professor, Professor Shoelace. Call Shoelace. me Shoelace. The first, mm-hmm. there is a Professor Shoelace YouTube channel, and that's first result for me. And then the second is Ian's Shoelace site. Well, there you go. The system works. Professor Shoelace on YouTube. Yeah. 20,000 subscribers. Nice. And it's just... it's him. You think it's Ian? Might be the titular Ian. Might be. There's a lot of... Uh, I'll put this in the show notes too, because this is, this is useful. Yes. Useful information. Uh, should we answer? I got a couple things from uh, listeners. I haven't, I haven't shared this with you, so you'd be winging it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. I started, I made a new tag for these. Um, let's see. These are, okay, let's try one. This is from listener Timothy. Uh, there's a class of problems, which I find myself thinking about often. Should I manage some information in the physical world or the digital? Two quick examples. At home, do I write the upcoming function on the family calendar hanging on the back of the kitchen door, or do I enter it into our shared iCloud calendar where we all have access? At work, our team runs um, agile development methodology, and we track work using tasks on a task board. Currently, we do this on a big physical board in the office. Also, recapture into a digital tool. Ooh, that sounds like some duplicate work. It goes on. Uh, there are some pros and cons. Uh, sometimes the tangible is nice. If you double capture, was where, which is the source of truth. If you don't see the item in one place, does it mean it doesn't exist or it doesn't exist in their other? Uh, anyway, uh, this is our uh, friend, uh, listener Tim from South Africa. So th- thank you, Tim. Uh, I don't know, Dan, you, you want to opine at all on when to go digital, when to go physical? Well, I mean, I have, I have thoughts about this. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. You know, do you want to go first? I can go first. But why? Either way, I'm, I'm not John Syracuse. I don't have to go last to show I'm right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which he denies, of course, because he's John Syracuse. Right. I don't do that. SpongeBob. I think, you know, I've gone back and forth between trying to do stuff digitally and trying to do stuff. And there's there's that, what's the name of the method where you've got all the post-it notes up on the thing and when you move them, you move them to one column and then they move to another column and, and you got post notes up on everything. I, that's not, mm, like, that's like not. Can- Kanban? No, probably I, not. I don't but, know. But something, something where like the physicality of the notes provides you, uh, it's got like uh, implicit metadata according to like where the post-it note is. Yeah, something like that. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of that kind of thing. I'll tell you what, as, as, a, as a general rule, if, if you're in f- a f- the same physical location as the other people that you're working with, having mm-hmm. some kind of physical thing that you use can be very useful because it brings you all together into the same space. It encourages sharing of ideas. It encourages brainstorming. It encourages Mm -hmm. you to come up with things together when you're looking at the other person and talking to them face to face. And you can like run up to the board and draw the thing up there or move the post-it or whatever it is that you're doing. And then of course, if you're remote, you don't really have that. And that's where I think the digital tools really, really shine is when you're working Mm -hmm. with remote people or you're working with people who aren't there or can't be there. But I, when you mentioned duplication of stuff, 
That to me is the worst. I mean, that's it's, madness. That is madness if you get that wrong. Yeah, and and there's it's like having multiple copies of a draft of something without any kind of like workflow oh, for yeah, it. And yeah. like, what if multiple people? You've got some kind of a crazy merge clash. You know, you know it's very satisfying to have stuff up on a whiteboard and mm-hmm. be able to go up and put a big check in the box next to it or draw a line through it when it's done or whatever, especially if that's something that's like up at the front of the office and everyone can see it. And like, you just fix that bug that no one's been able to fix. You can go up there and draw the red line through the thing. It's like, that's satisfying, you know? Well, if you're selling real estate, you know, Oh, put me on the board. Yeah, Like, like put me on the board. It's like the, <laughs> the, 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 the leads. But if you have, um, I think it was panic that had these really cool status board things oh, that they were man, doing. I miss it. I miss it so much. Yeah. And they had this up in their office and it like showed. You could do like JSON and stuff. You could, we could, yeah. we, we used to do it for Rectus. We could pull down from Libsyn. We were able to like, uh, Syracuse came up with some, I think JSON, but like basically able to pull down our stats into a chart. And like, I miss that app so much. It's so cool. And they were, they were using it on like a giant, like HD TV in the office for like bug tracking. And yes. Status board was great. Yeah. In that case, yeah, to your point though, that's, that is a digital, um, a, a digital way of doing stuff people used to do kind of physically. Mm-hmm. And that works according to like, you know, how your team works. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I you think know. if you're, you know, for me, I try to avoid, and this is, this is one of the topics that we had listed that we might talk about, but it, the less that I have to use a computer for, the less I'm, I want to use it for. If I can do it with paper and pencil and a notebook, I'll, I'll do that first. If, yeah. if it needs to be on the computer, I'll do that. But we spend enough time in front of screens and in front of computers. And I don't really want, I don't really want to do that. If I don't have to do that, that's fine. I, I just, right. that's a personal preference, but you know, if you, and I don't want to jump ahead to the thing, but if you think of your computer as a hammer or a sewing machine or some kind of device, that's a tool that does a certain job, yeah. um, then, then, you know, I'm not trying to come up with things to do on my computer. I'm, I'm trying to say, what do I need it for? You know, I'm mm-hmm. not just gonna, I'm not just gonna sit in my truck right now. You know, I, I'm going to sit in the truck when I'm going somewhere. I'm right. not just going gonna... to, I don't just hang out on the lawnmower. <laughs> right. right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, sitting on the ride in lawnmower. Why it's raining out. Yeah. I don't know. Well, just in well, case. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. I think we should probably save that big topic. That's a good enough one to, to save for another app, but right. um, hang out on the lawnmower. Um, uh, I think that's very sage. I, I, you know, I, I do think a lot of it comes down to uh, culture and preference. So like, you know, I mean, the, the long version of this is, yeah, you should do, well, how can I put this? I don't know which version this is, but I would say do, do what works for you in general. I will give you a very old, big pattern, at least for me and, and how I like to roll. I remember writing about this. I used to, Danny O'Brien and me used to have a, and I used to have a column in Make Magazine when it first started. I think it was called Life Hacks. And um, I remember one time, I had a, I had a piece, it was my month to write it. And it was about, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? Like the, the paperless office like, right. is the paperless office a thing. And, um, I remember in, I, for, I'm not going to quote this person correctly. Cause I don't remember who said this. It might've been Malcolm Gladwell turns out, but, um, but, but what this person said that I think is really sensible, uh, you know, is, is there such a thing as a paperless office? Well, Maybe, kind of, sort of. I mean, you're still going to have paper you deal with. And I think the distinction this person made, I remember quoting, was it's not that we're using less paper, it's that we're keeping less paper, which is such a good distinction. Like, it's one thing to use paper, and it's another thing to keep paper, right? 
So let you think on that for a minute. So is it bad to use paper? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Do you want paper to be the storage facility for everything? Well, maybe not. Like you might want hard copy photos. My daughter was looking at one of my old yearbooks this morning while we were listening to John Mulaney. Uh, Yeah, it's nice to have that yearbook. I could scan that whole thing, but it's kind of nice to like hold it in your hand. There's a lot of books that I'd rather read in a physical format. There's as many an order of magnitude more that I prefer to read on my Kindle for my own reasons. But here's, if I had to come down to it, I, w- I would say the, the big pattern here is I find physical stuff, including paper, to be, for me, absolutely the best way to think out loud, to brainstorm, to find patterns, whether that's index cards, whether that's post-it notes. For me, I, these, that, that is stuff that I love and use, and I'll give you examples in a second. Um, I use that to get to a point where I want or need to do something physically with it. So jotting down a draft of something in a notebook or a piece of paper, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. At a certain point, you are going to want to type that up and be able to proof it and polish it and move things around. Yes, you can move things around by cutting it up on a piece of paper, but everybody has a certain inflection point in whatever their process is where it does make more sense to go digital with it. Now, calendars are special because I think calendars really do make the most sense digitally for me. We have a kind of uh, a calendar my wife runs in the kitchen But I think that's mostly for her and my daughter to sort of like jog their memory. You know, this is spring break. This is when this application is due. This is when best best ball practices. But I've I've got all of that in the family calendar myself because the calendar runs my life. But here's an example. There are times in my life, um, fairly often, where I decide I want to get into meal planning a little bit more. And there's a thing that I do that's been incredibly (laughs) effective for me. It's so drop dead dumb, but it works great. And so here's what I do. I want to think about meal planning. Now, I could do this in a mind mapping app on any of my devices. Uh I could do this with a website. But you know what I do? I get a a big fat stack of post-it notes and an identipen. And here's what I do. I write down the names of all the proteins that my family likes to eat, each one on a separate post-it note. Uh And I put those up on the cabinet under another post-it note that says proteins. Then I have a post-it note that says vegetables. And I write down all the vegetables that everybody in the family likes. And then I have another column that's uh, basically the starches or what have you that my family likes. And you can see where I'm going with this. Now, I find that kind of brainstorming, uh, wow, irreplaceable. Um, I mean, if you are, you like, like anything with a creative process, if you allow your brain to unclench for a second, you're not going to believe how many ideas fall out. And guess what? Now you're playing a game with yourself. Now the game you're playing is what are all the proteins? An exhaustive list. And if you keep pushing yourself, more proteins, more proteins. Dumb example, but go with me. How many different kinds of proteins? Well, geez, we haven't had pork chops in a long time. Everybody loves pork chops. Fried tofu, big fan. Uh, Kielbasa. Oh, of course we like various different kinds of steaks. They, They all go on their own thing. 21 minute chicken on the list. Teriyaki chicken that mom makes on the list. And guess what? Pretty soon... I've got like 11 different kinds of proteins over here. I haven't even gotten to the vegetables yet. But when I'm doing that, you know, that to me totally makes sense because then I could, if I wanted to, I could start to do groupings. And I could say it's time for a thing. uh, We have uh, Based on something my daughter said when she was three, we have red steak night. Well, tonight's red steak night. So we're going to have one, two, and three. Number one, we're going to have New York strips. Uh, Number two, uh, we're going to have green beans. And number three, we're going to have wild rice with that. That's a classic dad meal. I make that a lot. And guess what? You grab those three and you put them in this area and now you've planned a meal. 
Do that with all of the things. Because meal planning needs to be fairly specific. If you just say something, something beef, that's not meal planning. Because meal planning requires going to the store. Mm. Now you have a list of things to get. All of that started with post-it notes and a marker. So in that case, for me, I think you can't beat something like that. But as with writing and as with calendar events and as with bug tracking, as with all of those things, in general, uh, your, your brain and your body should be listening for a point where it makes sense to go digital with it. So for me... Uh, that means a lot of that stuff is good. Some people that goes into Trello, some people that goes into a text file, like whatever that is, but you know, you know, and then there may be a time when you need to go back to the physical world. You know, index cards are a great tool for thinking out loud. I was just so, thinking about the hipster PDA the other day. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I still have like a version of that. Yeah. I mean, I always carry index cards. I mean, cards I know it, it was kind of a joke, but it's not a joke. It wasn't really a joke. The name was a joke. The concept was not. Yeah. I love the concept. Um, because once you know that you always have something to write things down on and something to write things down with, a week of that can really get your mind right. A week of that means like if you have to tell somebody about a comic, a TV show, or whatever, when you're out and about, you hand on that card. And you're good to go. So, I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think there's one answer to that, but there is a big pattern, which is like, from a functional standpoint, you could do a little bit of GTD here. Like in order to get a thing done, let's reverse engineer what needs to get done. And, uh, and, and to get to the penultimate step, there will probably be some digital involved. If you're doing a project, especially with other people, you don't want to have to rely on them coming to your desk for a note card to get it accomplished. That might live better in a bug tracker or Trello, like Mm -hmm. I say. Right. But I don't think there's any disgrace at all from uh, starting, you know, um, there's all kinds of like, you know, methodologies for running meetings where you try to encourage the people who tend not to talk at meetings to talk more. And you might say everybody needs to post five post-it notes up here, like, or, or whatever. And that's, that's, that's a slightly easier ramp in. And then, like I said, you put them in little piles and you make patterns. This is huge in information architecture. When you're doing something like a site inventory with a client, you're going through, tell us all about the areas of your site that you have. Tell us about the areas that you want. And you sort of informally find patterns. You can do this with focus groups. You can do this with anything. But now you, with a post-it note, this brilliant little piece of paper, you now have a way to make ad hoc piles that help you identify patterns that you didn't know existed. You start with the small and then you reverse engineer the big. So big fan, big fan. Very nice. Yeah. Difference between digital and real, real world. Digital and real world. Yeah. We're, we're going longer than I thought. Mm. We could, what's, why don't we, should we save us? Let's, let's keep a letter in the, in the hole. Yeah. Let's keep one in the hole. And cause it's also, it's from a listener, Ian, probably oh, the shoelace guy. Yeah. The E that's him. About cal- calendar usage. Shoelace, best shoelaces, cheap shoelace, free shoelace. Um, but, but it's important to me that you tell me about, uh, one more thing that you like. I'll tell you about Squarespace. Oh, Squarespace. You know, you know about Squarespace and it's one of those things that it's always there when you need it. The next time that you have an idea for a, a project or you just want to make a, a website for something that you're working on, maybe you have an event coming up and you want to help you know, help plan it. You want to invite people to your wedding. You want to post pictures of a gallery. You're a photographer. Maybe you are a musician and you want a place for your band and we want a place to upload the music. Maybe you want to sell stuff. I know so many people, my, um, my, one of my friends, she just launched her own like, uh, like art, um, uh, like t-shirt art print website. And of course it's on Squarespace. And I was looking at it 
And I was looking at it at the computer before I left work. And then when I got home, I wanted to finish looking at it. And so I pulled it up on the phone and of course it looks amazing. And that's one of the things that Squarespace gives you is it gives you this beautiful website that you can completely customize and tweak and make your own without knowing any HTML or CSS. And then it's just going to work everywhere. It's going to look great on your computer and your iOS device and your Android device. It just looks good and it's, it does everything right. And, uh, and that's what Squarespace is all about is just making it easy for you, helping you save time and making it so that you can do it yourself and, and helping you stand out from the other people who are also building their own websites because you want mm-hmm. your own site to look different, whether you're a restaurant yeah, There are or many what. like it, but this is mine. You know this what I'm saying? This one is mine. It's the webmaster's creed. That's right. So if yeah. you're starting a new business or you've come up with something you dreamed you always wanted to do, uh, you can make it a reality with Squarespace. The URL to go to is squarespace.com slash it's your show. You'll get a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, you, you use the offer code it's your show and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website, or did I mention, yes, they are a domain name registration over company 200, too. Over 200 extensions they got. I tried counting them all. I only got to like 50, and yeah. I was like, leave it to, I'm not going to do the rest. I don't want to do the yeah, rest. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all in there. And you know, here's a little secret. The secret is that uh, Dan and I, Dan more so than me, and more recently than me, we both have a background in making websites. It's kind of like how, how I made my bones. It was like starting in 1995, I was making websites, and that was my job. Dan knows how to make a website. I know how to make a website but we don't need to make a website anymore. We have somebody else to make the website for us and that's Squarespace. So even if you are a total stud or studette at, uh, at whatever your uh, preference is, just trust me, it's way easier to do with Squarespace. And if you have friends and family that want a website, but they don't want to have to learn all the stuff and update it, they want it to look great on every device or dingus, you got to get them on the Squarespace. Get out of the webmaster business. Yeah. That's, that's the second part of the creed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, being a member of a club that would, you know, have you as a member. Have you as your own member. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. Thank you, Squarespace. Buck, buck. A little bit old school there. You like that? I love it. Uh, It's turning out to be a beautiful, optimistic day here on Tuesday, April 9th, 2000. I would like, if you you don't mind, I would like to ask the listeners for a favor. Mm. Periodically, we get requests from our sponsors for listener demographics. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the last time that we asked. I have no idea. It's certainly been a while. It's been a long time. So we have a um, back to work listener survey uh, that I'm putting into the show notes right now that asks you things like, um, you know, uh, do you listen to the show? How often do you listen? Do you skip the ads? Do you play the ads? Do you make a million dollars a year? What mm-hmm. kind of device do you listen on? All that stuff. And it, it, it it's kind of a fun one to take. And if you wouldn't mind, listener, taking this one, it would help us uh, both get ads that will be more applicable to you and, and, and also not bore you with ads that you're not interested in. And, and also it tells Merlin and I a bit about our listeners and we love to learn about you. So it's not a URL I can share because it's like a Q1279 for blah, 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 blah. I've had those. But mm-hmm. it is in the show notes. Show notes are going to be at 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 421. And uh, it'll be a link in there. And please take a minute if you can, if you don't mind, and fill it out. And it will help us a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for helping us out. Thank Have an you. optimistic day. You know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're saying. Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.